Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome to episode 46 of the History of Skipton podcast with me, Ian Lockwood. You can read more about Skipton's history in my book, The History of Skipton. In the last three episodes, we've been looking at Skipton from its earliest mark in time, the Norman Conquest. This early history of Skipton may seem to be the history of the family who owned the castle. It is necessarily so for the common man made virtually no mark for future generations. The Cliffords were an important family, leaving their imprint on the records of the Middle Ages, their presence at major national events finding its way into contemporary documents. For the inhabitants of Skipton, life was a struggle for survival. The medieval Skiptonian left no such footprint upon history. There are few artefacts to record his life, and written records are even scarcer to the point of non-existence. Another factor must be equated into the dearth of knowledge about life outside the castle walls. While Skipton Castle was of significance, the town itself was a small place, a collection of a few huts grouped around the top of the high street. The castle was Skipton, and Skipton was the castle. Yet though the fog of time has made our view difficult, it is not totally impenetrable. We know how feudal man lived, and it would have been no different for those gathered in the shadow of the Lord Clifford's castle. Archaeological evidence has shown that there was some sort of habitation in Skipton in pre-Roman times, albeit on a very small scale. The town owes its sheep town description to the Anglo-Saxons and it was ideally situated at a crossroads of communication in a part of the Pennines known as the Craven Gap and it had a ready source of water. But it never really became established. Instead, as we have seen, it was the decision of the Romilly family to establish Skipton as a military garrison which was the catalyst which led to the development of the major market town of the Southern Dales. But the times were turbulent, and Skipton lay for some decades in the shadow of both Bolton Abbey and even Embassy. Another reason which mitigated against the town's growth was its propensity to be sacked by Scots in their raids down into England. While the frequency of these invasions has often been overstated, their effect was devastating. The castle garrison could simply withdraw behind its strong defences, taking with it such members of the local population who would be deemed useful. 
but livestock and property which could not be saved were at the mercy of the invaders. What they did not need for sustenance, they carted off back as the spoils of war. What they could not pack up and transport home, they destroyed. Little wonder then that the community outside the castle was small. The Fort's family clearly valued the castle as they strengthened its defences in the 13th century, building the drum towers which still stand today, proud and dominant. In 1318, after the death of the first Lord Clifford at Bannockburn, the Scots descended upon Skipton and destroyed the town, but they did not bother to lay siege to the castle. It would have required a lengthy siege, and rather than expand time and considerable energy in acquiring an isolated stronghold deep in enemy territory, the Scots had homes and harvest to return to. But Skipton was starting to grow. One measure of this is the Holy Trinity Church. There is no mention of a church on the site in the Doomsday Book, but from the start of the 14th century, the stone building we know today began to take shape. At the start of the 1300s, the church acquired a tower, according to architect J.A. Corey, who carried out repair work when the building, particularly its roof, was badly damaged by a lightning strike in 1853. We know that in the year 1326, an endowment was made to provide a residence for a vicar for the church. This residence was built on the High Street, almost certainly on the site of the Town Hall today. A vicarage was to remain here until the mid-19th century, and today signs of its position are found by the Vicar's Steps, which are a series of square flags set into the cobbles, and they were reputedly put in so that the Vicar's long robes would be kept clean as he made his way from vicarage to the church gate, stepping above the filth from the cattle sales taking place around. The story has some credence, as the steps do beat a direct diagonal route from the vicarage, now the town hall, directly to the iron gateway of the churchyard. No one knows when the broad sweep of today's high street was laid out, but between 1203 and 1311, the Lords of Skipton obtained a right to hold a weekly market. It seems obvious that the market began to develop in tandem with the street which was to serve it, and was probably so wide so that it could accommodate the herds of cattle and sheep. The land was split into long, narrow plots, with a house fronting onto the high street, and behind it, outbuildings and a plot of land for vegetables or livestock. In the 1950s, and again in 1981, refurbishment of the Red Lion pub shed some light on the 14th century Skipton House when a timber-framed structure was unveiled. The archaeologists concluded that a large building existed here on the Red Lion site with a main hall and living quarters or service rooms on either side. There was also a gallery overlooking the main hall. The building techniques dated the construction to sometime between 1350 
1450. This building was set back from the modern frontage of the Red Lion, suggesting that the main street was even wider. Another archaeological dig in 1975 took place further down and on the opposite side of the High Street in Canal Yard. From this, the archaeologists were able to tell us that the outbuildings would typically consist of a kitchen, stable and barn and cesspits. The buildings were built almost exclusively of oak and by the end of the 15th century, the layout of Skipton would be recognisable to its 21st century inhabitants with the wide sweep of High Street leading to Holy Trinity Church and, behind and to the side, the dominant castle. The main difference is that modern trees obscure the view of both church and castle. In summer, these two gems of Skipton are impossible to see from many angles of the High Street. But for the medieval mind, the strength and dominance of the castle and the church was far more obvious. Skipton was, however, still a small place. We know this from poll tax records from the late 14th century. In 1377, Edward III introduced a poll tax to fund the wars against France, which had been a constant drain on his finances throughout his long reign. The humble adult peasant was required to find four pence, and the more high-born members of the population had to find more. The king's brother, the Duke of Lancaster, for example, was required to find six pounds, 13 shillings and fourpence. The tax was opposed again in 1379 and a third time in 1380. And this provoked a rebellion in Kent and Essex. We know today as the Peasants' Revolt. For the second tax of 1379, an assessment of the money which should be raised from the area of land known as the Wappentake of Staincliffe, of which Skipton forms a part, tells us that the adult population of Skipton in 1379 was just 127. And this excludes members of the clergy who were taxed separately. The effects of the Black Death would have reduced the number from a generation previously, and Skipton was still the second largest centre of population in the Wapentake. By comparison, Keithley was smaller still, with only 108 adults, while Thornton and Craven had 110. Marginally larger than Skipton was Bolton Abbey, with 129 adults. However, Skipton had emerged as the commercial centre of the area, with 23 of those adults registered as tradesmen. Bolton Abbey had none. Most of the population of the villages would have been agricultural labourers, in Bolton Abbey's case, support staff for the monastery. But in Skipton, the tradesmen gathered. And the importance of the textile industry for Skipton is apparent even back then. For the list of tradesmen included five tailors, four weavers, two fullers, two spice merchants, a draper, a glover, a cobbler, a butcher, a general merchant, a rope maker, 
a mason, a smith, a lorimer, that's a maker of hardware for riding, such as bits and harnesses, and a harbior, that's a lodging house provider, probably an innkeeper, and most likely the Red Lion. From around 1400 onwards, Skipton began to expand along the York to Lancaster Highway, which ran to the south of the town. This is the New Market Swadford Street axis. Indeed, the section of road heading southwest from Skipton was known as Swadford Street as early as 1489. One large house on Swadford Street was called Winterwell Hall, and it is recorded in 1449 when it was leased to a William Malham. Half a century later, this building had become a grand affair with a tower. Alas, it was eventually demolished to make way for the Leeds-Liverpool Canal. Newmarket Street, the other side of the town development, is believed to owe its name to the corn which was sold from there. Medieval Skipton depended heavily on agriculture. There were three fields to the east, west and south of the high street which were held in common, i.e. they belonged to the community as a whole. And these were, this common land was farmed in strips by the locals. As some prospered, they would acquire more strips, hiring a less wealthy member of the community to farm or help them with the labour. The three fields were rotated in turn. One year wheat was grown, the next barley, and in the third it was left to lie fallow. This system seems to have been in existence until the Tudor era, when this common land was enclosed, i.e. it was fenced or hedged in and was owned by a powerful claimant to the land. The principle of common land, that is land owned by the whole community, had disappeared. The economy was owned by the Cliffords, who had a corn mill, an eel pool, and numerous wooded parks for their private hunting. The preservation of game for their own table was fiercely protected, with foresters employed to catch poachers. If caught, a poacher faced a heavy fine or even mutilation. But it was the corn mill which was the biggest source of complaint for the poor of Skipton. It was situated by Ella Beck, probably on or near the corn mill by Mill Bridge, which you can still find today. But the medieval corn mill made large sums for the Cliffords, who rented out the mill. And the person who rented it, the miller, made a handsome profit, as all Clifford tenants were required by law to grind their corn at the Clifford's mill. In towns and villages across England, the miller was the most unpopular man in town. Attempts to get round the system by secretly grinding corn at home were punished by heavy fines. Spare produce was sold at the market, which required royal approval via charter. This was first granted in 1203, but at first it was just for three days around Trinity Sunday. This had expanded by 1311 to every Saturday, with the Cliffords again taking their cut 
by extracting rents, as was their right as lords of the manor. Whitaker records the markets as producing an annual profit of £16, 13 shillings and fourpence. That's £16.67 pence in modern currency. This was for the Cliffords, but by 1389, this sum had fallen by £10 to barely £6. Such a catastrophic decline was due to the arrival of the Black Death in the later 1340s, from which Skipton was not immune. The Black Death, an horrendous form of bubonic plague, changed British society by depopulating the towns and villages, some of which disappeared in their entirety. It was not just a single attack, but returned year after year, sowing fear and disrupting farming and trade. Society was severely tested, and the decline in England's population, which was to last for 150 years, caused the breakdown of the feudal system. There were not enough common people to work the Lord's land, and so he would pay to import labour from a neighbouring settlement if he was wealthy enough. It all drove up labourers' wages, so those who did survive could hire themselves out to the highest bidder. The effects of the Black Death on the local population were exacerbated by some of the harshest winters and wettest summers on record. Harvests were poor, and disease and starvation racked the land. The worst effects of the Black Death appear to have been in the south of the country, but Skipton would not have escaped. Its steady growth, since de Romilly's first castle was built, would have been halted and even sent into decline. The late 14th century was not a pleasant time to live in Skipton. But life did go on. The market continued, even if Skipton's steady expansion was brought to a sudden halt. And new trades began to challenge the predominance of agriculture. Those poll tax records I referred to in 1379 show 14 people connected to the trade of woolen cloth, either as weavers, fullers, dyers, tailors or merchants. By far the most unpleasant of these jobs were those of the fuller and dyer. There was a fulling mill in Skipton in 1311. It was situated on Ellerbeck, south of Millbridge, and references to it occur throughout the following centuries until the 18th, when it was knocked down to make way for the canal. What was a fuller's job? Well, Wool fleeces were scoured by soaking them in urine and treading on them repeatedly. Excavations on that site in Canal Yard in 1975 unearthed the presence of cesspits which may have been connected to the fulling mill nearby. These cesspits also reveal that for much of the population life was dirty, smelly and unhygienic. The cesspits found large concentrations of worms found only in humans or pigs. The worms were a cause of illness if found in large numbers and were either present in the guts of the human household or in their pigs 
who were clearly living cheek by jowl, probably in the backyard. Those 1379 poll tax records do show, though, that Skipton was emerging as a thriving little community, despite the depredations of the Black Death. That 1379 poll tax showed some Skiptonians to be quite wealthy, and two of them were assessed as owing two shillings in tax. Seventeen servants are named, so clearly some of the population was acquiring wealth. Among them were the Lamberts, who were acquiring more and more properties in Skipton, and among them was Winterwell Hall, referred to earlier. By the time of the Civil War, the Lamberts were so wealthy that they had moved to a large estate at Colton, where one of their descendants was to establish himself as a prominent general in the parliamentary army of the Civil War. The 14th century town also had a leper hospital, although the last record of its existence was in 1350. It has been said in some publications that the leper hospital was situated on the site of the Red Lion, but this is highly unlikely. No medieval community would have wanted a hospital for lepers in their midst, and certainly not just outside the castle where the Lord lived. The hospital is far more likely to have been situated on the outskirts or even a little way from the town. Indeed, the Third Lateran Council, that's a papal gathering to coordinate ecclesiastical policy, held in 1179, specifically prohibited lepers from living with the healthy or attending the same church. They were to have their own churches and cemeteries. Skipton was no more likely to have been a home for lepers than any other town. However, it was an unpleasant and worrying disease, and for the religious-minded souls of the medieval era, a good way of purchasing your place in heaven was to use some of your earthly wealth in the furtherance of good deeds, say, contributing towards a hospital for the treatment of lepers in the community. So, I refute any suggestion that the Red Lion was once a leper hospital. But... This is not to say that the Red Lion site did not merit the title of a hospital. And we've got to get away from the modern concept of what a hospital is. A medieval hospital fell into three categories. Leper houses, and I've already said this wouldn't be right outside the castle gates. Non-leper houses and arms houses. A non-leper house served a purpose much as today's Red Lion does, providing temporary accommodation and food for passing travellers, usually for payment. But a non-leper house also was the home for permanent dependents, such as residents who bought the right to lifetime food and lodgings. But mostly... These sort of hospitals provided for the poor and infirm, and, relatively rarely, the sick. Those who were housed inside the hospital had a duty to repay the founder by prayers 
for his soul. In Skipton, the founders of a hospital would have been rich locals, perhaps even the Castle family itself, who appointed the master and a priest to ensure that the hospital was run properly and the appropriate prayers were said. Eventually, the hospital transferred into a more common type of pub or tavern. If Skipton was growing, it was not developing as a borough, that is, with a degree of independence. In some towns, the best example in the north being York, powerful medieval guilds were being formed to control trade. As they acquired increasing wealth and influence, so they could usurp some of the local lord's powers when he was in financial or political difficulty, often by purchasing the right from him, such as the right to hold fairs. In Skipton, though, guilds did not emerge, as the Cliffords maintained a powerful grip on local politics. This overwhelming power of the Lord of the Manor was to last until relatively recently, with the Earls of Thanet, the inheritors of the Clifford lands, refusing to release land in the town and being prime movers in first resisting and then encouraging the arrival of the canal in Skipton. This jealous guarding of rights seems to have been admired by Skiptonians, noticeably in the reverential way they still talk about Lady Anne Clifford, who clamped down harshly on any attempts to diminish her authority. They may have a point. The fact that Skipton was ruled effectively by the castle ensured that its growth in the Industrial Revolution was much less pronounced than in, say, its near neighbour to the south, Keithley. Thank you for listening. Next time, we'll be looking at the Tudors and Skipton. Until then, goodbye. $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.